Well, hello and welcome to another edition of The Word with Jeff Pruitt today. As you can see, I don't have my better half, the one that makes me look good, my eye candy with me today, uh, my wife, Pastor Robin. She is on a little uh, vacation, tiny mini one, to spend some time with my sister out in Phoenix and another friend, Kim Bingo. Uh, matter of fact, the Bingos are going to be with us at the end of this month in March. If you're watching this later, it would have been passed, but March, uh, March uh, 27th on a Sunday and Sunday night, uh, they're doing an incredible thing with uh, the finances of our people. We're believing God for that as well. Uh, and that is 2022, in case you catch this episode late. Um, but I have a great word for you. I, I hope you're prepared to uh, hear the word of the Lord today. Uh, God has really been moving in our services lately, in particular, and not like he hadn't before, but just in a unique kind of a way. <clears throat> and it started with um, our Accessing the Heavens uh, Thursday night um prayer night that we put together and God just moves so sovereignly and so beautifully and there are prophetic words that were that were given as well and then we just happened to have we flowed right into the first Thursday of the month March uh, where we have our prayer night anyways and so it was back to back and so God began to move again of course in our services on Sunday and I really felt it was important that we talked about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's behind all of this. The Holy Spirit is what Jesus promised would be given to us once he ascended to heaven. He gave that promise to the disciples and to those that, are, that would live thereafter. And he's, he's still here today, and he's moving in and through our lives in a big way. And I don't think we give him enough credit because we're just not used to talking about the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. Um, I want us to look at, if you have a Bible handy, John chapter 14, verse 15, and Jesus is speaking, and he says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Remember that. And then it says this, Jesus said, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. That is a beautiful picture of how Jesus left us. He didn't leave us alone. He gave us a comforter. And because of that, we know him, we dwell in him and he in us and I in the Father, he said, and you in the Father. I want you to notice that this text says he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and he will be in you. Uh, I want to talk for a few minutes on what happens between the with you and the in you. Between the with you and the in you's is I would consider the shift, the spiritual shift, the dynamic shift that is necessary for us to live a successful, powerful uh, Christian life on planet Earth. It is also that transition uh, that we, we are looking for from uh, the works of our flesh to the works of the Spirit. It is also a change. A, I believe that as it becomes a noticeable change in your life, and even others around you may notice that change. I, I believe they do. And also, uh, it is really a, a new idiom, if you look at it that way, of thought between with and in. It was a new concept in that time because at that time, God only came upon his people. His spirit would come upon his people. But this was different because Jesus said, not only with you, but I'm, the Holy Spirit rather will be in you. 
And that was totally different because it was it was thought that man was not, his heart was desperately wicked, the Bible said, and that his ways were evil and therefore God could not dwell in man because of that. But we understand, I'll get to it in just a moment, because the shed blood of Jesus Christ every is a total game changer. And now the Spirit of God doesn't dwell just with dwell just with people, but now dwells inside of us. And there's a purpose for that because God wants to invade the world and he started by invading you. So if he can't invade you, how's he going to invade the world? Because the world can't see him. Jesus said they're not going to be able to see him. So the only way that they'll be able, the world will see the Spirit of God moving in the earth is moving through you and through me. Uh, and it started with salvation. We got born again. The Spirit of God came upon us and lived lives inside of us. But there's another step, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It seems to be that this is a new level or another level of being dwelt within, the Holy Spirit dwelling within. It's almost like um, a relationship booster. It's like you you get you get from, uh, you start with a date and you get to just get to know somebody in the first date, but you really don't know much about them. But by date 20, you know quite a bit about them. It's like you just ramped up to date 20 from day, day one of knowing and having the Holy Spirit abiding inside of you. And I, I was thinking about this today, that Passover is coming, and uh, we celebrate pra- Passover here. We believe in that, that time frame, and I'll talk and teach all about that. But Passover, back in the time that it began in the book of Exodus, was that God was going to bring judgment upon the land because, that, because Pharaoh would not let God's people go to worship him in the wilderness. And as a result of that, <clears throat> God said, uh, the firstborn of all your children will die. There will be a death spirit, that will, uh, an angel that will pass through the camp. And um, and anyone who does not have the, the blood applied to the door, the firstborn male will be will be will be killed. And so God instructed his people, get a lamb, a perfect lamb, take the blood of that lamb, sacrifice it, take the blood of the lamb, put it upon the lentil and the doorpost of that door. And when that angel sees the blood, he will what? He will pass over. That's where we get that expression, because of the blood. Jesus is now... This is thousands of years later. He's now the sacrificial lamb of God, and his blood is sufficient for the payment of sin. In other words, I deserve death, but he took on that debt of my of my of my sin and died in my place. And now what should be taken out of me is by the Spirit of God. He passed over me, and then he took he took he took with me out of out of me all of my sin, all of my transgressions. And by the way, you'd be surprised what he passed over me. I mean, what he passed up was, was in, the, the, there was a sin, there was sickness, there's poverty, guilt, shame, condemnation. Everything has passed over me because now I, am, I have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Passover had to happen before Pentecost could take place. And so there's a, there's a first expression of the blood being applied to people's lives so that they don't they don't have to die the second death, which is, by way of sin, is hell. But then 50 days later, something called Pentecost. And Pentecost happened during the time that when Jesus had ascended before the throne of God and the disciples were now told to go to Jerusalem and to wait patiently there and to pray. And as they sought God, God would come upon them. The Holy Spirit would come. 
and he would he would be there with them. Well, the Bible says that that day came, and there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and these cloven tongues of fire, which I believe was the 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 spirit of was the spirit of God that hovered over each and every one of them. The Bible says, and the Spirit of God came upon them, and they're baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and they spake with other tongues. The Bible says that was another. Um, moment or another level of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus dies and is raised from the dead and before he sends to the Father, he talks to, to his disciples and he says, I'm going to transition. And everybody's about to shift and go to a new level and you won't recognize me. It's not going to be the, the Jesus that you knew. It's going to be me but it's not going to be me walking with you like I did have done for every, every single day. Up until now, he's saying, I've done everything with you. I've turned the water into wine with you. I've healed the 10 lepers with you. I've, I've, I've healed the blinded eyes with you. I've um, fed the, uh, the 5,000 with, with uh, two fish and five loaves with you. I, I did it so you could see who I am. You could recognize me when I come, that you would be familiar with me, that you would know how I move, that you would see how I, how I, how I, how I move. You would sense me. Uh, you would know my voice, and the strangers you would not follow. He's, he's teaching them. He's preparing them to follow after him, even after he's gone. Jesus was saying, I'm getting ready to go undercover so that I can infiltrate this world. They don't know me. The only way they're going to know me is through you. He was saying, up until now, I've been with you, but from this point forward, I'm going to be in you. Huge different difference. People might think that it was just you who walked into the room, but unbeknownst to them, Jesus walked into that world room. I don't know about you, but I've had that happen in my life where I, I, I walked into a certain place and I could just tell there was either a tension or there was uh, an attraction. Uh, in other words, uh, there, there was something that happened in the sense that uh, that it brought my, my spirit or the spirit of God inside of me, I should say, brought attention to the room or brought an attraction. I've seen people drawn to me and ask me questions because they felt they felt they had the liberty to do so. Well, that wasn't me. Uh, I, I don't have that ability, but that was the Christ in me or the Holy Spirit that lived on the inside of me. I can tell you stories about I showed up in certain places and people just started talking to me and they, they felt refreshed or they felt their anxiety begin to be lifted off of them and they would even tell me so. Well, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit inside of me. God's not just with me, he's in me and people can recognize the difference. I've been in places where I just, I was talking to somebody and I just knew they were a believer. They didn't say nothing about Jesus. They didn't talk about the Bible. None of that was said. But as I was speaking to them, I, I sensed the Christ in them. I sensed the Holy Spirit. I was speaking to somebody who was of like heart. I could tell by their demeanor or the certain things that they would say or their expression. I can't even explain it. Or a certain aura, if we would call it that, or I would call it more of the anointing that was around them. And I was like, you're a believer, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Are you? Yes. And we begin to talk and have fellowship. It's an interesting thing. When you show up, the Holy Ghost shows up. You go to work, he's there. You go to 7-Eleven, he's there. Pick and save, he's there. That's a grocery store if you're not familiar with our, our stores around Milwaukee. Um, <clears throat> church, He's there. Talking to your neighbors, he's there. Wherever you go, he's there. Uh, you go You go to places, you go to the bar, he's there. You got to think about that as well. You're, we're bringing God into places that maybe he does not want to go in and recommends that you don't go in as well. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is always there as a helper, reminding us and helping us, this is not what you're to do. This is not who you are. And when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, it's much easier 
to live a life for Christ. Um, they, they, they may not see him when you walk into the room, but he lives and abides in you. Let me make this statement. God loves discovery. He loves to be found. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. The Bible says, I've hidden my laws in your heart. Bible also says, I do nothing unless I reveal my secrets to my servant, the prophets. There's just something about him. And this is that likes to be discovered. And this is not a new concept. In the Old Testament, we see this happening. Joseph was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And God chose Joseph to be loved by, by the father because God would love his son the same way. It was a picture of the father loving his son. And Joseph had his coat ripped off him, the coat of many colors that was symbolic of the favor of the father was ripped off him. Joseph had been thrown in prison. Joseph was sold out. Joseph went um, into the pit. Joseph was raised from out of the prison. Joseph went then undercover in Egypt to deliver the, his own people out of famine. Nobody knew that. I don't even know that Joseph understood the whole process, but God was having him to, him to do so. Church, just because you haven't seen your manifestation, Yet, doesn't mean it, it, it's not there. It, it, it's just undercover. I've said this before. You're healed. It's just undercover. You've been delivered. It's just, you, you're, you're rich. It's just undercover. It's just something that has not yet been revealed, but it is going to be. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. That was a shift. No more just one man. It would be, in fact, um, uh, on multiple individuals. It would start with the 120 in the upper room and then grow out into the uh, the 5,000 that was won that day to the, uh, to the church and then grow and grow and grow until there are millions and millions of us on the planet, not just one Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one, of course, but the fact that he's in all of us uh, with different personalities and different uh, likes and dislikes and different colors of skin. And I mean, it's it's a wonderful um, um, multiplicity, plurality of who God is on the earth. I love that about God. Lots of flavor. And and the Bible says one could put a thousand to flight, but what? Two can put 10,000 to flight. So God already knew if we could multiply this in the earth, it would become better and stronger. The Bible says we're Two or more are gathered together in his name. There he'll be in the midst of them. Two or more. The Bible says that threefold cord is not what? Easily broken. That's why the Bible says how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that flows off the head of Aaron down upon his beard and onto his garments, right? And so there's a there's a flow that comes when we come together when we when we when the holy spirit is 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 yes inside me as an individual but there's something special when we come together how important is the house of god it is of the utmost important importance because there's not a full expression of who he is until we all come together in acts chapter 2 it says that when they were all in one accord, suddenly there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. So there is no doubt that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And let, let me give you some characteristics that I, that I see in Scripture of the Holy Spirit in your life. And here we go. I believe I have eight of them. Number one, the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Okay? Now, that word helper 
is interchangeable with the word comforter. So uh, Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit as a someone who comes to comfort and to help us. And the word comforter comes from the Greek word parakletos, which describes a cherished friend, uh, one who comes to help, one who comes to assist, to exhort, to encourage, to counsel, to advise, and to strengthen. Think about the Holy Spirit being your best, best friend that has all the ability in, in the world to help you. You know, sometimes you have a best friend, and it's not their fault, but you just can't rely upon them because they themselves have issues. Our they just don't have the resources. But the Holy Spirit is described as not just a cherished friend, but someone who comes to help, assist, exhort, encourage, counsel, advise, and strengthen. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives in us. John 14, 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit lives where? He lives inside of you. So never think of yourself as bad in the sense of unforgiven. Never think of yourself as unholy. In fact, the very fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you proves that you are holy, not perfect. It's the Holy Spirit in you holy enough to do a work inside of you. And, and the throne of God is not in Jerusalem today. We know the throne of God is in heaven, of course, but on earth, where is the throne of God? It's in here. It's right inside of me. It's right inside of you. So I can't get so down on myself because God hasn't given up on me. He hasn't left me. And um, the Greek word uh, for the word dwell is the word meno, and it means to stay or abide. The Bible says, for he, the Spirit of God, dwells with you and will be in you. He will stay or he will abide. I love this because it speaks of the very nature of the Holy Spirit. He won't leave you and he will not forsake you. No matter what you've done and no matter where you've been. I was thinking about my own personal life and being out there in the world before uh, coming back to the Lord. But you know what? I know looking back, he was never far from me. He was working with me. Even though I, I had dismissed him, even though I had walked away from him, he had not walked away from me so easily or as easy as I thought he might have. I thought I was a goner. I didn't think there's any way for me to get back, to be honest with you. But the truth was, he never left me. He was still helping me. He was the helper. He was bringing me encouragement. He was still still with me. And the reason why I know that, I can look back and go, my goodness, you were using me and I didn't even realize it at the time. But now I look back and say, that was the Spirit of God. And here I was living like a, like the devil, he doesn't give up on us as easily as sometimes we think or preachers want to make you think. <laughs> You're going to hell. You backslider from hell. I, there are reasons why people do what they do, and God knows those reasons. And I know for me, I never denied him in the sense that I never denied who he was to me or my belief in him. I just wanted to go live my life the way I wanted to live it, and I did. And I was definitely in sin, and I was definitely playing with fire. But I'm thankful to God he did not leave me and gave me a second chance, and he'll do the same for you. Uh, number three, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's a teacher. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Wow, isn't that great news? That no matter what it is in this life, he'll be a teacher to me. He'll he'll actually bring things back to my remembrance. Paul 
wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How did he do that? How was that possible? The Holy Spirit is the one who taught him. He was The Holy Spirit is a teacher and shared with him. Moses, they say, wrote uh, the, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Pentateuch. He wrote all that, and they believe he wrote the book of Job. Uh, how could he possibly do that? Well, he had to do that. Well, he couldn't do that without the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, we need the Holy Spirit on a different level. And because we have to, now we have to actually preach Christ to the world. <clears throat> it has to be a new anointing. Paul wrote all that by way of the Holy Spirit, all two-thirds of the New Testament. Galatians 1, verse 11 says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached by me is not according to man, for I, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it by man. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's telling us where he got the information. The teacher, Holy Spirit, gave it to him. Um, how about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse number 9? But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, showing and proving to us right there that he is the greatest teacher of all time. And the, wor the word revealed in, in the Greek where it says he, he's revealed them unto us, the Holy Spirit's revealed them unto us, that word means to unveil. It means to reveal, but it also means to uncover. So something that was there the whole time, but then the veil's taken off of it, and we, we can now see. Um, it's actually a picture of something that's veiled or hidden, and then suddenly the veil or the covering is removed right before your very eyes. Like, oh my gosh, Eureka, light bulb goes off, and I know now what this means. I get what this, what this is all about. Have you ever had that kind of moment where you're reading the Word of God and something you've read 5, 10 times, 25 times, and all of a sudden, bang, it's like, oh, this is what that means. You know what's interesting about that? Just keep living this life, Christian life, long enough. Ten years from now, you're going to read the same verse, and you go, oh, my goodness, this is what it means. It'll be another layer of revelation pertaining to your life at that moment in time. I love that about the Holy Spirit, and I love that about His Word. Uh, as a result of this unveiling suddenly, um, what was hidden for so long now comes into plain, plain view, and you got it. You know exactly what the Spirit of God is saying to you and what He wants to teach you. That's done by way of the Holy Spirit. Number four, uh, the Holy Spirit reminds us. We just read that, but let me read it again. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring you uh, to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Uh, have you ever been talking to somebody and they ask you a question and you think you're so, oh my goodness, but they, they're, they're still talking while they're asking you and they, you know it's coming for that they want to have an answer and you don't have an answer. And you kind of just pray, oh God, give me something. And the Holy Spirit just begins to reveal and download something. You go, where did that come from? That's right. It's like all this information just comes out of nowhere. That's the Holy Spirit bringing to back to your remembrance the things that he has taught you, whether that be a scripture verse, whether that be a sermon that maybe I preach or another preacher has preached for you, uh, or whether that be a life lesson that he's taught you. But he'll bring it back to your remembrance at the right time, and people will be blessed as a result of that. Number five, the Holy Spirit tells of Jesus, speaks of Jesus. John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus said, 
this this uh, Holy Spirit is going to give testimony about me. Jesus, think about this. Jesus came to testify of the Father, to teach about who God really was. They only knew God, reverenced him. They couldn't even say his name. They put no vowels in his name because they they just called him the Lord God. They couldn't. They didn't know. They didn't respond to his name because it was too sacred. But but now Jesus came and said, "No, he's a father. He's a loving father. Matter of fact, God is love, and you've misunderstood him. And I'm teaching you who he is. And then he said, "When I go, the Holy Spirit will come to teach you about who I am or who I was." So we're constantly learning about who Jesus was, and then we don't throw the Old Testament out just because we have a new covenant. But we go back over the old covenant or the old Testament and we look and we see Christ in the scriptures. He's portrayed. We see him in Job. We see him in Isaiah. We see him in Jeremiah. We, we see him throughout the Pentateuch. We see Jesus in the scriptures, a promise of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit reveals him to us and testifies of him. Um, I can tell you for me personally that uh, I just, I just, alluded to a moment ago that when I was totally backslidden, I would, I, I, I'm being honest. I, I, I'd feel almost embarrassed because people would say something negative about God. And man, I'd get the preaching right in the middle of a party. And next thing you know, I got a crowd around me. Start with just telling, I'm just talking to one or two people. Next thing you know, I got a crowd around me and I'm fully aware there's a crowd around me. And this didn't happen once. This happened many times. Um, and at least three or four times that I can think of. And uh, where I'm starting to defend God and defend Jesus. Um, what am I doing? I'm testifying about him because the, the, the Holy Spirit still ab was abounding in me. He dwelt inside of me. He made his home in me. He wasn't giving up that easy on me. I may have been getting drunk and I may have been getting high. And yes, I was miserable because I was a backslidden Christian, a backslidden believer. But something in me would rise up. And matter of fact, I'm feeling emotional about it even now because I, I, I look back and wow, that was you, God. You did that. that. I would never bring that kind of attention upon myself. And you know what? Nobody could argue with me. It's like everything I learned would come back to my mind. And instantly, now they would argue with me and say, well, you look at you. You're living like, a, you know, whatever right now. Who, who are you to tell us? And I'm saying, I, I don't know. I'm living the way I am right now, but I'm just telling you, I'm wrong and you're wrong. We're all wrong because you're wrong. Says, you know, that's what I would say, but uh, and I and I've gotten to a place where I've almost, you know, uh, threw threw fists over it because I, you know, I was going to protect God, uh, which I didn't need to do. He didn't need my protection like that. My point is, is that the Holy Spirit will always testify. It's like an automatic. You don't force Jesus down someone's throat. You just be a witness. I was trying to do that then, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, I was just in me coming out of me, but. I see a lot of Christians make the mistake of trying to win their husbands or wives or loved ones to the Lord by by pushing Jesus down their throat or or Christi Christianity or the Bible or they're going to hell or watch this YouTube video and and it doesn't work. It just it just does not work. And if you're led to do that once in a while, sure, but you know for the most part, you know we don't force them. We we just our life becomes a living testimony and we, we yes we're vocal about it we should be vocal about it not embarrassed or shamed but at the same point if you live your life long enough for christ people will come to you i guarantee it because they see the holy spirit on the inside and they're going to want that number six the holy spirit convicts us john 16 8 says and when he has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe me. He will convict the world. Now, um, uh, 
that word convict is the word reprove, okay? And it means this. It means to expose. It means to convict. It means to cross-examine for the purpose of conviction. So let's read it again. He, the Spirit of God, will come and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit's job is to reprove the world through us as we live our life, as we preach this word, as we talk about Christ, as we talk about the Father. And the Holy Spirit comes to do what he exposes. And when you're in a place of exposure, it's not comfortable. And when I was backslidden during that time, my wife was, and my, my wife and my mother became prayer partners and began to pray over me, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me. And that conviction was what? Exposure. What was happening? A big flashlight was coming down on my life, and the things that I thought I, were getting, I was getting away with in darkness was being exposed, and it was not comfortable. And for a full year, I fought that thing. The good news is the Holy Spirit won the fight. I guarantee you, you start praying in the spirit of God over your family members, they're going to get an exposure. And yes, it'll look like their life's being tore up and upside down. You think, oh my gosh. As soon as I start praying for her, they went wrong in this person's life. But the truth is God's getting their attention. And it's for the purpose of what? Conviction. They come to the place of, I'm a sinner. I need God. I need God in my life. I'm tired of running. God, if you're real, come to that's how he operates, the same thing he did for you. Amen. This is how he deals with people so that they would discover that they actually need a Savior. Otherwise, they're self-confident. They're in their own, their, their own world. They, they, they think they get themselves out of their own trouble. And sooner or later, they get in a place where they know, I'm, I'm in too deep. I need something else. I need a Savior in this one. And that's Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes to reveal him. Um, number seven. Number seven, the Holy Spirit convinces you. So he convicts you and he convinces you. This is how you were saved. This is how I was saved. The Holy Spirit convict, convicted us or convinced you of who Jesus was. I just gave you all of that a moment ago. And lastly, number eight, the Holy Spirit guides you. The Holy Spirit guides you. Uh, John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He's a guide. He will guide you into all truth. Uh, like a mountain climber, I, I, I don't suggest you go up into the mountain. Well, I've been up in the hills. I can get my way or I can find my way around. I wouldn't suggest you go into Everest. No, 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 not by yourself. You need a Sherpa. You need a guide. You need somebody who knows the path, that knows the trouble, that understands the weather patterns, that understands the treachery that can that can come and can and can show you and can guide you. They've been up there. They've summited uh, countless times, and they know exactly how to do it. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly how to do it. He, he's been doing this for a long time. He knows how to guide you through life. You don't want to go through life without your guide, without your Sherper to bring you to the summit, to bring you to the top. He will guide you to that job. He'll guide you to that relationship. He'll guide you to that marriage. He'll guide you in your business endeavors. He'll guide you in your partnerships. He'll guide you to that church. He'll guide you. This is what he does. The thing is, we don't pray. We don't seek his guidance but if we do we'll find it will it be the answer we want sometimes yes sometimes no 
But I have found out that if it's a no, yes, it becomes an immediate disappointment. But it is not something that I allow to continue to disappoint me because I realize he loves me and he has my best intentions in mind. I am my own worst nightmare. I'm a self-destructive person like you are, but he is not. He'll lead you and he will guide you. Well, I hope this blessed you. I, I know it's been a blessing to me to deliver it today. Thank you for watching. Uh, I wish I had my sidekick with me. She's amazing. Um, I miss her very much, but God bless you and we'll see you next time. Music